BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hello and welcome back to ACRAC. I'm Jed Wolpaw and we're going to do things a little differently today. Uh... This may well be the last uh, podcast episode of the year as we're heading toward the end of December. And so some of you may be thinking about New Year's resolutions. And if anyone out there is thinking that you'd like to improve your efficiency, if you'd like to do a little bit of a better job with time management in the new year, then this is an episode for you. I'm going to give all my best tips and tricks for how to be the most efficient you can be, how to manage your time in a way that will make you the most successful you can be, and uh, I will reveal it all here. So if you think that this would help you, then keep listening. At first glance, you might think this has little to do with medicine or anesthesia, but I will tell you that there is probably nothing more crucial to your ability to be successful in an academic career Uh, or really in life in general, in my opinion, than being able to manage your time well. This can make a crucial difference for you in your residency training, in whatever schooling you may be in, in your job, if you're out there practicing, or in your life, in your marriage, in your uh, time with your children, really anything. The ability to manage your time well is going to make a big difference for your work-life balance and for your success in many aspects of your life. So I by no means am perfect. I don't try to pretend like I have it all figured out, but I have some good tips and tricks that I've picked up along the way that I will share with my listeners today. So the first and most important thing, I think, probably my my absolute golden rule here is never put off for later something that you can do now. Now, let me be a little more specific. It is so easy to say, okay, all right, great, that's something I need to do, but I'll just do it later. Or let's say you're sitting on the couch relaxing at home and you're talking to your spouse and they say, oh, you know, don't forget we have to do this thing. And you think, oh, yeah, 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 you know, we'll do that later. But if it's something that you can do, especially if it's something you can do quickly and easily, and let's just say as a general rule, if it's something you can do in less than maybe two minutes, just do it. Just do it right then and there. Just stop what you're doing, put the show on pause, or tell your, the person you're talking to, hold on just one sec, I'm just going to do that thing right now. Pull out your phone and type the text, or pull out your computer and type the email, or whatever it is that you said, oh, I should do that. Just do it. If it's calling your friend to remind them about something, just make the call. Don't put it off. Because here's why. Even if you're good about putting those kind of things on a list, which you should do, if you ever can't do anything in the moment, you should not just trust your brain to remember it. That's a recipe for disaster. 
you have to write it down immediately. If you can't do it immediately, then write it down immediately. And we'll come back to the idea of lists. But if you can do it immediately, then you don't have to put it on your list. It's already done. That's the magic of it. That's the amazing thing about this is that if you can just get it done, then you don't have to add it to your list. Your list doesn't grow. You don't have to try to remember it. It doesn't weigh on you. It's out of the way. It's done. I, I just feel so strongly about this. It's really, really key to do this. So I've given you some examples, uh, maybe a quick email you need to send, uh, a quick reminder you need to give somebody, uh, a stamp you need to put on an envelope so that you can then drop it in the mailbox, whatever it may be. Just do it if it's going to take you just a few seconds or a minute or two to do it. The other thing are emails. So when you're looking through your emails and you think, okay, I could respond to this one. It'll take me 30 seconds. It's a one-word response or a one-sentence response or it's just referring this person to somebody else who, who's really the person they need to talk to. Don't wait. Don't let that build up in your inbox. Just send the email. Just just forward that thing or just reply and say, thanks, got it, if that's what you need to do. Or just reply and say, hey, I'm going to CC this other person here who's, who's great at what you're asking for, and they're going to help you out. It's that kind of thing. The mistake is to say, okay, I'm reading through all these emails, but I'm just going to leave them all, let them sit there, and I'll deal with them later. Don't do that. Don't put them off. Now, if something is going to take longer, if you're going to have to write a multi-paragraph response, if it's really important, if you're writing to your boss, you're going to have to think about it and go through a couple drafts, then of course, that's different. That's not going to, you're not going to do that in two minutes or less. So that you can leave in your inbox and it'll serve as a great reminder sitting there in your inbox because your inbox is going to function as yet another one of your lists. And again, we'll come back to lists. But if you get all the stuff you can get out of your inbox by doing it in the one to two minute stuff, and most emails can be dealt with in less than two minutes. Most emails can be dealt with in less than 30 seconds. So you just do it. Just trash the ones that can be trashed and respond to the ones that can be responded to quickly. And then all you'll have left are the ones that are going to take more thought. And you can take your time on those when you have the time to do it. All right, so that's rule number one. Never put off for later something you can do now. Get it done. All right, now I've mentioned lists a few times, so let's go to number two. If you're going to be efficient with your time and your time management, you have to be good with lists, okay? So like I already said, nothing goes only in your brain. Your brain cannot be trusted by itself, okay? So you have to have lists. Anything that needs to be done later that you can't do right then has to go on a list. No matter how certain you are that you won't for, that you won't forget, don't trust your brain, put it on the list. Now, I think at the very least you need three lists. One is going to be your inbox. Now that doesn't work if you've got 2000 unread messages. But your inbox should always be less than one page. It should always be less than what will fit on one page. If at all possible, you should not have to scroll on your inbox. Now, it's not if you're looking on your phone, that's different. But if you're looking on your standard desktop or laptop computer, where you can fit maybe six to eight messages on a screen without having to scroll down to see more messages, that should be the extent. If you're consistently over that, you've got to figure out a way to decrease the inbox. But once you get down to that, now your inbox is going to serve as a list because everything in there is going to be important and it's going to be something that you aren't able to address very quickly. It's going to be something you know it's a reminder. You have to address it when, when you can sit down and have the time. So that's list number one. List number two has to be a daily short-term list. Okay, This should be your 
basic everyday reminder list. And it doesn't really matter in my mind what app you use for this. I just use the basic reminders app that comes with the iPhone. Works just fine for me. But there are a million of them out there, and you can use any one you want. The key is you need to have it. And then your basic list should just be the stuff that you know you want and need to do that day or within a day or two, but short term. And then the most important thing is you have to train your brain to look at this list at least three times a day. Probably much, much more, but at the very least. You have to look at it when you first wake up. You have to look at it sometime in the middle of the day, and you have to look at it at the end of the day in the evening before you're going to start heading towards bed. You have to do that. If you don't, there's no point in having the list. Putting things on the list and not looking at your list is pointless. So you have to have the list, and you have to look at it multiple times during the day. It's crucial to look at it when you first wake up because you need to say to yourself, okay, what did I think I'm going to have? What was already on my mind that I wrote on this list that I need to accomplish today? You need to look at it partway through the day so that you think, all right, how am I doing? Where am I? And how much more do I have to go? And then you have to look at the end to think, all right, what what did I forget? And is there anything that I forgot that I didn't get to that, that has to be accomplished before I go to sleep, in which case I need to do it right now? Or can a couple of those things that might be left, can I safely put them off for tomorrow? In other words, leave them on the list so that they'll be there for tomorrow. And then that also that final check-in of the evening, you have to add to your list things you know you need to do tomorrow. Now, you're doing that throughout the day. Anytime something comes up you know you have to get to, you're going to add it to that list, either to do later that day or to do the next day. But you have to have in your head the things that are going to happen the next day. And then when you first wake up, you're refreshing that again. You're looking and saying, okay, these are the things I have to remember to do today. Your inbox you also need to check, but I think most most of us are checking our inbox dozens of times during the day, so you don't really have to train your brain to check your inbox. But you do have to train your brain to check your to-do list if that's not already part of your routine. It's not easy to train your brain to do something new. If you've ever tried to start a new habit that isn't a habit of yours, you know it's not easy. So you can't just say, I'm determined to check my list. It's not going to work. You have to build it in somehow. And some easy tips for things you can do to, to make, to get used to it. And once you get used to it, by the way, you won't need to do this stuff anymore. It'll just come naturally. But to start off, you can either set an alarm for yourself three times a day, and the alarm should say, check to-do list. You can leave a note on your pillow so that when you get to your bed at night, there's a note that says, check to-do list. And you can leave another one on tape to your mirror in the morning. So when you get up to brush your teeth, it says, check to-do list. And this might seem crazy. It might seem over the top. But you have to do something that you can't possibly miss so that you get in the habit of checking that to-do list every single day, multiple times. Once you build a habit, then you've got it down. But you've got to have a way at the beginning to remind yourself to do that. All right, so now you've got two lists we've discussed so far. You've got your inbox and you've got your basic short-term to-do list. At the very least, you also need a long-term to-do list, okay? What do I mean by that? So these are things that you, you can't do right now and you can't necessarily do in the next day, but they're things that you don't want to forget that need to get done. So this might be like sometime in the next three months I have to make an appointment with my uh, tax preparer or sometime in the next six months I have to remember to have a meeting with my boss 
or something like that. Now, you could argue those things, you might as well just do them, just make the appointments, but maybe there's a reason why you can't. Or it might be something like, I know that I have to renew my medical license, but I can't do it until 90 days before the license expires, and that isn't for several months, and so I can't do it right now, but I need to remember to do it. So you put on the long-term list, renew license. Now, the calendar comes into this too, because anything that is in the future that isn't going to get done in the next day or two is really helpful to put on your calendar with an alert. So for example, that medical license example is a great one. The first day that you are allowed to renew that license, put on your calendar, renew medical license with a reminder. So it pops up or emails you or whatever your reminder does, and then put at least one additional day. Put it two days later, put it three days later, just in case you missed that first day, have another day where it's going to pop up and remind you and have it on your long-term to-do list. So now you're building in multiple layers of redundancy so that for really important things, you don't forget. Now, let me make an aside here and say that a lot of people rely on other people to remind them of important things, right? So you, you just assume if you're a resident that your program, your program coordinator is going to send you an email to remind you about your CPR certification or you're an attending and you just assume that if your license is running out, that your department is going to know that and going to remind you. You assume if there's some department meeting or faculty meeting that you're supposed to go to uh, that someone's going to remind you the day before by sending you an email. But that's all a little dangerous because what if they don't, right? Or what if it gets straight to your spam box or something like that and you don't see it and then you don't show up? You can't really say to your chair, sorry, I missed the meeting. Nobody reminded me, right? That doesn't work. And as a resident, I'll tell you, you shouldn't be saying to your program director, sorry, I missed the meeting. Nobody reminded me, right? You should be responsible for remembering that yourself. And that's not easy. Some people don't have a good system for reminding themselves of things. But one of the best things you can do for yourself is to learn now how to remember important things. If you can do that, it's going to serve you well. People will think you think of you as a responsible, dedicated, reliable person. And when I'm thinking about people that I want to be associated with, reliability is probably the number one thing. I have to know I can rely on you or else I can't work with you. It's not going to happen. It's not going to be a successful partnership. I can't do research with you. I can't partner with you if I can't rely on you. And so you want to be the kind of person that people think, yes, they're a really reliable person. If they say they're going to do it, I know it'll get done. But to be the kind of person that can do that, you have to have a system. And your system can't just be, I'm good at remembering. Your system has to be built with multiple redundant levels to make sure things don't get forgotten. And so you have to have a calendar with reminders. You have to have a list that you look at. Now, that long-term list, let's get back to that. So you're going to put those kind of things on it, things you can't do right now but that you have to remember to do. The other thing that could go on that long-term list are things like projects or things you want to check up on. So let's say you sent off a draft of a paper you're working on to someone else you're working on it with, and they, you told them, hey, you know, if you could get a draft back to me in three weeks, that'd be great. Well, you're not going to email them right now to remind them about it because you just sent it to them. But you do have to remember to check with them about it if you don't hear back in three weeks. You have to check with them and say, hey, and how's that draft going? And so you might put that on your long-term list to say, check with so-and-so about the paper we're working on and put it on your calendar, right? So you're going to have that backup 
that longer-term list that's going to help you. And then that long-term list, you don't have to check multiple times a day, but you should probably check that long-term list at least once a week. That's a little harder to remember to do things not quite as frequently. I mean, it's fine to check it every day, but if that is, that's kind of unlikely that you're going to be able to check that every day uh, reliably. So it's good to have a system where maybe at the end of the week, so maybe before you leave work on Friday or maybe before the end of the weekend on Sunday, whatever works for you, you build in that reminder to yourself to build that habit of checking that long-term list. And again, this is something you're going to have to develop. This is something you're going to have to build on your own. You can't just assume you will remember to check that long-term list once a week. So at first, you're going to need to figure out a way to remind yourself. So that, again, it might be as simple as setting an alarm for Sunday at 4 p.m. or Friday at 5 p.m. or whatever it is so that that alarm goes off and reminds you, check your long-term list. And eventually, this will become habit. I did say you need at least three lists, the inbox, the short-term, and the long-term, and that's because as you develop this habit and get into relying on lists, you may find that it's helpful to have multiple lists, and I have a whole bunch of them. I have a list for things I need to do related to the residency program, things I need to do related to my research, things I need to do related to my family. I even have lists for things that I think might be interesting gifts to buy for somebody at some point in the future, even though I don't need to buy them right now. So there are all kinds of lists that can be really useful to have that you peruse from time to time. You could have a list for books that people recommend to you. You could have a list for movies that you see a preview for that you think would be really good. How many times have you thought, oh, I'd love to watch a movie tonight, and then you just sit there clicking through pay-per-view, looking at movie after movie and having no idea if they're any good or not? It's helpful to look at Rotten Tomatoes, but then you've got to look it up in Rotten Tomatoes each time. So if you have a list you've already made of times people recommended a movie to you or times that you saw a preview that looked great, you've already got it there. And when it's finally time, where you finally have some time to watch a movie, you just pull up that list. So you can have as many lists as you want. What you don't want to do is dilute your main lists out too much to the point where you can't ever find anything. So your most important tasks, short-term have to go on the one short-term list, and really important longer-term stuff has to go on your long-term list. And then you can start getting in the habit of, for your different parts of your life, having other lists if you find that helpful. But if you don't do that, if you just stick with the three main lists, inbox, short-term, long-term, that's going to be a huge, huge advantage. It's really going to help you. All right, the next thing is this. I'm going to call it the 70% rule. And this is something someone told me a long time ago, and I really like it. I think it it really can be helpful. And that's this. If you're planning something, a project, an event, whatever it is, and you think you're about 70% ready to go, just go. Don't wait until you're 100%. If you wait until you feel like it's 100% ready, you'll never go. You'll You'll never start. And so you have to be willing to say, all right, you know, I don't, not sure I have every aspect of this figured out, but I'm going to start and then figure it out along the way. Now, there are exceptions to this. So for example, you wouldn't want to submit a personal statement when you think it's only 70% done, right? You need to make sure that is 100% done. But this is more when you're planning. Let's say you're planning a uh, new elective in your residency program. So if you're a resident, maybe you're working with your program director to plan a new elective. Or if you're a attending, maybe you're spearheading this planning effort. 
And so you're putting the details together, you're putting the proposal together, you're writing the goals and objectives, and you know you want to kind of start. You want to start piloting it. You want to get that first resident doing that elective. And if you wait until you think every little bit of it is perfect, then you may never actually get there. So you have to at some point say, all right, let's go. Let's do it. Let's have the first resident go knowing that that first resident is going to play a huge role in helping shape this elective with the feedback they give as they help identify some holes, the things that need to be plugged, things that need to be done differently along the way. So you want to make sure that you go. Part of this also is that you're going to feel a weight and a kind of an inertia when you're planning something that you just, it's hard to overcome to kind of get started. So you don't want to let that overcome you. You don't want to let that overwhelm you. When you feel like you've got a good amount of stuff ready, then you go. Another aspect of this, turning back to, let's say, a personal statement that you're writing or a letter of recommendation that you're writing, you may feel like you don't have it all situated in your head yet, you know, or you don't have all the pieces together. Just start. Start writing. You're not going to submit it when it's not done, but you can start writing when you don't yet think you fully comprehend what you're going to do or where you're going to go with this personal statement. Just start writing and you'll see things will come to you as you go. So that can really be helpful. So don't wait until everything has to be perfect. Just once you've got the idea, start developing it, start putting it together. And when you think you're about 70% there, get started. All right. The next one, and this may not apply to everybody, but I think it's really important is consider thinking while moving. So what do I mean? What do I mean? I do my best thinking when I'm running. My wife can tell you this. Every time I've given a wedding speech, I have written the vast majority of it in my head while out for a run. Every time I've got a tough problem I'm grappling with, I get a lot of the way toward figuring it out when I'm out for a run. Every time I'm writing something, a letter of recommendation or something, and I'm trying to figure out exactly how to phrase it, often it'll come to me when I'm out for a run. So I urge you, if you don't run and you you do a treadmill or you do elliptical or you do uh, speed walking or regular walking or whatever it is, do some thinking. If you're grappling with something, if you're having a hard time kind of getting over the hump with something that you're working on, try doing some exercise. It can make a huge difference in activating your brain and helping you get over it, get over the hump and figure out where you need to go. And then relates to this is bounce that off other people. So when you're stuck on something, don't think that you have to figure it all out on your own. It's amazing how if you bounce things off some other people, you'll get some great ideas of things you didn't think of. Even if you're the expert, even if this is something you're really the expert in, bouncing it off someone else who has an outside perspective can be hugely helpful. So go for a run and use other people to help you bounce things off. Those will really help get you over those stumbling blocks when you're working on something and you're not getting very far. Related to the 70% rule is the idea of when you have something to start and you haven't started yet and you're feeling overwhelmed by the size of it. So let me give you an example. Let's say you have a paper to write. Or let's say you have a proposal to put together. It can be really daunting if it's a major thing. You're, let's say you're writing a grant. It's this huge grant proposal, right? You've got all these different pieces and, you're, and you haven't done any of it yet. It can be really daunting and some people just keep putting that off. The idea of sitting down and addressing that whole monstrosity is overwhelming. And so you just keep putting it off. 
That's a problem. You don't want to put it off. So the way to do this is to just start. Just start. You have to just put aside the feeling of being overwhelmed. Don't worry that you don't have the whole concept in mind. Just pick a piece. Just sit down. Even if it's just the intro part where you put your demographic information, just sit down and start working. Make yourself start on any little piece of it. You'll be amazed at how easy it starts to come after you've started rather than compared to when you just are looking at it as this giant bulk of a project that you can't feel like you can do all at once because you can't and you don't need to do it all at once. Those big projects, you need to just start on some aspect of it. And then before you know it, you will have done a big chunk of it and now it will seem less daunting. So you really need to just make yourself start. When it's a big project and it feels daunting and you find yourself putting it off, just sit down and start. I'll give you an example. We have to read through about 1,000 applications for our residency program every year. And the idea of sitting down and reading a huge chunk of those is daunting because you know it's going to take a long time and it's really, really tiring and taxing. It's something that we have to do, but it's hard to get started. So you can't sit there and think, when am I going to read these, you know, 300 applications that are my portion of it. You have to just sit down and start reading an application. And before you know it, you will have read five or 10 or 15 or 20, and then you're making a chunk. You're getting part of the way through. So if you think of it as a huge behemoth of a problem, it seems unapproachable. If you just say, I'm going to start on this one little corner of it, it's much, much easier. Now, when you have a larger project, okay, so we already talked about the simple things that can be done in less than two minutes, but when you've got something that's going to take a little more time, you have to give yourself a chunk of uninterrupted time to work on it. So a lot of time I find myself, I start working on a letter or a paper, and every few seconds I hear my little beep of my email or I feel my my phone buzz for a text or an email and I check it and then I end up writing a few emails and then I go back to the paper. That is not efficient. It's not a good way to do it. You really need to focus on what you're doing and give your brain uninterrupted time. What happens is your brain really gets in a flow. You get much more efficient five minutes in than one minute in. And you're even more efficient at the work you're doing 10 minutes in than you were five minutes in. And so if you only give yourself 30 seconds to one minute at a time, and then you get distracted, then you come back, then you get distracted, then you come back, you're not going to ever get in that flow. You're not going to pick up that pace and really be in a zone where you can get things done really efficiently. So turn on, don't look at your email, close down your email, turn your phone on silent mode, and give yourself at least 20 minutes preferably 30 minutes uninterrupted. Then you can take a pause. You can take a break. You can catch up on the emails that you missed over the last half hour, check your texts, whatever you need to do. But you will have made a lot more progress in that 30 minutes all at once than you would have in 30 separate minutes divided. So give yourself uninterrupted time when you have something you want to work on. Now let's say that you're working on something that has multiple steps and you're not going to be able to do all of those steps all at once. So, for example, let's go back to the reading applications example. So you've got 300 applications to read. Obviously, you're going to be doing that over days to weeks, not all in one sitting. So you want to finish. You're getting time. You've done it for a couple hours. Now it's time to finish, and you're going to stop for the night. So you want to finish one application, and then this is the key. Prep the next application. Don't just stop after that one. So if you're taking notes... 
open up the page of notes that you're going to use for that next application, write down the header, maybe the name of the applicant and their school, medical school, and then stop. Because now that you've started that next one, the next time you sit down, it's going to actually be easier for your brain to engage. You don't have to do that initial step. You've already pulled that initial just first kind of couple lines of information down, and it kind of eases you in to that what will become the first application that you're going to start on your next session of reading. And so you've already got that down. And the same can go for anything. If it's a if it's a, a paper that you're writing, if it's a letter of recommendation, if it's a proposal, just start the next section. Maybe you're writing a paper. Start the next paragraph and just jot down a couple of ideas. It doesn't even have to be in paragraph form. Just jot down like three or four things that you want to include in that paragraph. And then when you come back to it, it makes it much easier. You don't have to read over the whole thing and remind yourself what you were thinking. You've got these keywords to just clue you in. So that can really help prep the next thing, even if you don't have time to do it now. Prep it. Get it ready. All right. The last thing I'm going to say is be very careful about relying on text messages for any kind of reminder of anything. And this is why. It's what drives me crazy about texts. As soon as you've read a text, you cannot mark it as unread. So there's no way to have a reminder to go back and look at that text. So if, there's, if somebody texts you and says, hey, don't forget to do such and such a thing, you, if you're going to open that, you can either not open it, right, that's okay, because then you'll see the little number on your text app that will remind you you have a text to read. But if you're going to open it and read it, then you have to be, and there's something in there that you need to remember to do, even if it's just to go back to that text and respond, you have to put it on your list. You have to put it on your short-term to-do list. Because if you don't, if you think, oh, I'll remember because it's in my texts, you may not, because you might get 10 more texts. It'll bury that one. And you won't have a little indicator that you have an unread text because it's not unread anymore. So beware of text messages. And I'm not just saying this because I'm an old tech non-native. I'm saying it because it's true. Unless you know a way to mark a text as unread after you've read it, in which case, please tell me because I want to know, then don't use texts. You want to use a to-do list and email as long as you get your inbox down. Plus email you can mark as unread if you need to, but don't rely on texts. All right, that is it for the time management episode and what I believe will be the last episode of the year. As you go out there to make your New Year's resolutions, think about whether you can incorporate some of this. At the very least, I would urge you to do the very first thing I mentioned and never put off for later something you can do in just less than two minutes now. If you do nothing else that I talked about in this episode, just that one thing can make a huge difference in your life. I can almost guarantee it. All right. Thank you for being an ACRAC listener in 2017. I hope you've had a wonderful year. I hope when you reflect back over your year, you find lots to be grateful for. And I hope as you look forward to 2018, there's lots to be excited about and lots that you will do and differences you will make in people's lives. It is an absolute pleasure to be part of your listening routine. Thank you for listening. I hope you have an absolute wonderful holiday season and a fantastic start to your new year. I will be back with you with a new episode of ACRAC in the new year. Remember, if you have any comments on this episode or any other, you can leave them at 
ACRAC.com. That's A-C-C-R-A-C.com. I would love to hear how your efficiency and time management strategy may jive with or be different from mine. We can all learn from the tips and tricks that you have to share. Of course, you can always reach me uh, by email at ACRAC at ACRAC.com. If you are a fan of the show, please consider going to iTunes and leaving a comment and a rating. It helps others find the show when they're looking for an anesthesia and critical care podcast. Also, if you are willing to help fund the making of the show, you can go to patreon.com slash ACRAC. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash A-C-C-R-A-C, where you can become a patron of the show. Even if it's just a dollar or two that you can spare, it really makes a big difference and we greatly appreciate it. Have a wonderful holiday. Thanks for listening. For the ACRAC podcast, I'm Jed Wolpaw. Remember, what you're doing out there every day is really important and valued.